Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. My next guest is a marketing mastermind who has dedicated her life to helping others create the lifestyle of their dreams. In addition to marketing, she is a brand expert. This guest has been through the ups and downs of the economy and has a proven way to take your life to the next level. Let's give a superhero by design welcome to Sharon Vorn Holt. Sharon, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Ace. I'm happy to be here. I am so happy to be here with you as well. For people listening, Sharon is a full-time investor, a blogger, a coach, course creator, beach lover, and the host of a podcast called Let's Talk Real Estate Investing. For more information on Sharon and her services, go to her website, which is louisvillegalsrealestateblog.com. You can also email her directly, and her email is Sharon at SharonVornholt.com. Vornholt is spelled V-O-R-N-H-O-L-T. All right. Well, I'm going to start this podcast the same way I start every podcast, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you. So are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. All right. Sounds good. Let me get ready here real quick. All right. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. How about you? I am doing excellent. Like I said before, I think I said this, I'm not 100% sure, (laughs) but I was on your podcast last week. Yes. So for everybody listening, if you want to hear me on Sharon's podcast, check out her podcast. Once again, it's Let's Talk Real Estate Investing. So we had a great conversation last week. I'm excited to have you on my show because you have done some incredible things in your life and you are really big in real estate. You're a coach, you're a mentor, you have courses, you help tons of people reach financial freedom. But I'd like to jump back a little bit and kind of hear the background of how you got to where you are now. You're from Louisville, right? Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. As, Perfect. We, as we say, is, Louisville, is that where, here, Louisville. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I can say it the California way, Louisville, or the Southern way, Louisville. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But um, you were, and correct me if I'm wrong, your parents were both entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, on your website, you had also said that they were both pilots yes. while you were growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, upbringing with your parents and how they inspired you today to do the things that you're that you're doing? I think you have to get a little bit older sometimes to realize the huge impact that your parents had on you. But my dad was a general contractor and me being the oldest and most well-behaved of four children, I was the one that got to get dragged along on uh, construction sites. And he did some home remodeling stuff, but he did a lot of things, commercial office space, doctor's offices and things like that. So I got an early intro into being an entrepreneur. And my mom, she was a stay at home mom early on. And later on, she had she had a business and she she actually had passive income at a time when I'm sure she didn't know the name of what it was. She decided to buy a beauty salon. Now, mind you, she had no experience with that at all but she thought it would be a way to make some passive income off of that, off of that business. 
But growing up, um, instead of really taking vacations, my parents were pilots of small planes and we, we kind of lived at the airport. And, uh, so, you know, we would go flying and, uh, it was something that I always planned to do to get my license when I was old enough, but my dad passed away when I, before that ever happened. And, but I just, I realized maybe I, I, I'll tell you, Ace, I was probably 40 when I looked back on the things my parents had done. And my, because my mom was a pilot when not very many women were pilots. It, it just wasn't that way. And what happened was my dad came home and he said, I think I'm going to learn to fly. And she said, well, that sounds like fun. He was 12 years older than her. And she said, that sounds like fun. I think I'll learn to fly too. And he said, well, I, I don't know that we have enough money for both of us to learn to fly. We can afford it. And she said, we can afford it. You'll just fly half as much. So that statement really <laughs> shaped the way I thought about things going forward. But she was always the person, you know, somebody wanted to challenge her to ride a motorcycle. I was horrified as a kid. My mother's riding a went out and rode a motorcycle and drove a motorcycle. It was like, because no moms did that back then, but that's, that's who she was. But they definitely shaped my upbringing for sure. Yeah, no, that's incredible to hear about your mother and her being a pilot, getting on motorcycles, doing things that I'm guessing at that time was definitely not something your, your typical housewife or, or mother would be doing. <laughs> no, not, not at all. And it was, uh, sometimes it was quite embarrassing when I, as a child who's, who had the only mother that did these unusual things, she was a yep. regular mother in all other ways. But now I look back and I think it gives you, she certainly gave me the courage to try things, even when it was quite terrifying for me to try things. That's amazing. And I remember when I was a child looking up at my parents too, I saw when you're a child, you do not see the flaws of your parents. You see them as, mm -hmm. as superheroes, mm -hmm. right? And to have such a strong role model in your life that you get to not only hear what she says, but see the actions that she takes. My mother used to always tell me, do as I say, not as I do. However, yes, I do. we do as they do, whether, whether they like, <laughs> like yeah. it or not. And so I, I lo love my, God bless my mother. But yeah, I found myself doing as she did as well. My mother also was a very strong presence in my life. And so that's a really cool combination. You've got this mother who is just bold, doing things, breaking barriers, so to speak. But then also your father was able to take you along. I remember being taken to, uh, to my mother's classroom. She was a, a, a grade school teacher spending time there. And that really shaped, I never thought I, I would become someone who would teach or mentor. You know, I never thought of myself as, as a teacher or anything like that. But as I get older as well, I find myself, so many parts of my parents are instilled in me. And I, I just think it's so cool hearing about your parents and how they guided you through their actions, through entrepreneurship, breaking barriers and all of those things. So I'm guessing... You you had this all planned out, right? You had your oh, life no. planned out. You knew exactly what you were going to do. <laughs> not a clue. Not a clue. Um, I just knew. I remember from a very young age, my dad telling me things. My dad was a super smart guy. One of these guys that knew, knew space travel was going to be a thing before it was ever a thing. So most of my friends thought he was incredibly weird. He was just 
Beyond mm-hmm. his years and in intelligence, he was the man that read three books at one time because he couldn't decide which one. So he read them all at one time. But uh, I grew up in this environment. You, but um, I don't know. It was just so bizarre. Like you, though, one thing you brought up is about the teaching. I never, ever saw myself as teaching. And I have come to absolutely love that part of real estate investing. It's one of those things like we see our teachers growing up. We see, I saw my mother and, you know, that was, that was never my aspiration. But one of the things that I, I love talking with you last week and, and here now is that one of the greatest gifts we can give is our ability to help other people, whether it's through education, it's through our profession, our business. And once we know what we're doing, once we know what we're crafting, being able to step back and teach it to other people and then see them excel, see them improve their lives in any sort of capacity. That for me, that's, that's, and I can tell the same for you. It's just the most fulfilling thing. It is so much more. I, I like seeing other people succeed more <laughs> than I like to see myself succeed. It's, it's incredible. So when, when did you start making the shift? Because I know you've, you've been a business owner following in your parents' footsteps. I think you had a uh, inspection mm-hmm. business, right? Like a real estate inspection business. Yes, I did have that. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that time of your life? Well, you know, prior to that, so, um, you know, I, I was managing, I'm working in the medical field and I had worked in the field and I always needed to be in charge, honestly. And so then I went off and managed a medical practice. And beyond that, it still wasn't enough. I just wanted to do my own thing. I had complete you know, freedom to I was in charge in every way, but it wasn't the same as being mine. So not having a clue what I was doing, uh, we opened a home inspection company. Now, this was back in 1991, and when it was still very much buyer beware, and when the agents would say to the buyer, you don't really want a home inspection, do you? you know, was kind of that era. There were There was no regulation, which we got to be in on because we wanted regulation of these fools out there doing home inspections. But so I had that business for 17 years and it was a very long 17 years, Ace, I have to tell you, but, but I don't like to quit anything. So I hung in there, but about eight years into it, I had a realtor walk into my um, office because we, of course, they were the lifeblood of our business. And that's where I really learned how to market was in that business. And she said, do you want to go to a RIA meeting? And I said, well, what's a RIA meeting? And she told me what it was. And that was honestly, we're talking like 1998. That was the first inclination that I had. You didn't have to be a realtor to be in real estate investing. It was the, it was Mm -hmm. looking back on it now, it's just bizarre. But I went to that meeting and that's 25 years ago. I never stopped going. So I bought a property Within that first year, you know, I was still working for 10 years. I still had the home inspection company and I had a plan. I was limping along. I would do a rehab because my dad was a contractor and it just came naturally to me. Um, I didn't really know anything about it, but I knew enough to not get in, ever get into any trouble. So I'd rehab a property and then or two, and then I would buy a rental. And I limped along like that. And then in 1990 or 2008, we we all know what happened there. So that was 17 years into the home inspection business. And it was definitely a sign 
no one could get a retail mortgage uh, during that time. And so I uh, closed that business and started real estate investing full time. Well, we still have the same problem over here that only a few buyers. Now, now I had a uh, new people that had jobs like at GE and the big companies like uh, engineers and people that had good jobs that could still get, uh, I guess, portfolio loans, commercial loans to buy property. So that's when I became an accidental wholesaler. Just overnight, I had these, I was really good at sourcing leads, really good at direct mail marketing. And I had these couple of properties and I just knew I was going to rehab those things and they were going to sit on the market forever. So I just called up a couple of people I knew and said, hey, do you want to you want to buy these properties? And they said, sure. And just like that, I was a wholesaler. And it was easy for me because I had these relationships. But in reality, we both know that's not the easiest path to really go down. But that's when I transitioned over to that. And along the way, um, well, 2010, shortly after that, I started my blog. Then I started the podcast. And quite organically. So the, the podcast will turn 10 this year. Um, but I just, it was never a plan. You talked about, did I have a plan? No, I didn't. Ha I didn't have a plan any part of the way. I started a blog when I had no clue about it. So we started the podcast way before Pat Flynn had a cool course on podcasting. We just kind of dove in and figured it out. And uh, it's kind of like jumping out of the plane and grabbing your parachute on the way out because we really, we just figured it out. But I just discovered this joy in teaching other people, like you said. So my purpose for the blog and the podcast all along was just to keep people from making this sidestep. Some of the things I'd mistakes I'd made things I could have done differently uh, to just kind of chronicle my journey. And I didn't even really totally realize that's what I was doing at that time. But on the side note, you know, when I would go into my RIA meeting at that time, uh, prior to 2008, we had a huge meeting here in Louisville, five, six, seven hundred people a month. And I would go in there and there would be two handfuls of women and most of them were there with their husbands. I mean, there really were no women hardly in this business. And um, the acceptance rate of women in this business was pretty low. So I just made a decision to do my thing. and. I was aware of the people, the competition, but I didn't focus on that. And that's what I tell people today, men or women, they're worried about competition. Just go and be the best you that you can be and go right down the middle and, you know, know that all these people are there. A lot of them will help you along the way. A lot of them won't, but that's okay. But my mission really became, again, without really setting out to, for it to be my mission was that for more women to know that they had a place in this business and that they could, they could become as good as the men and compliment they men and women could be complimentary in this business. It wasn't an either, or it needs to be this way or that way. It's just that I wanted them to know that they had a place in this business. And that I think men have, men have skills when it comes to negotiating. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're braver. They, they just throw it out there. They don't care. Women are a little bit more worried about hurting somebody's feelings, but women, I think in many ways are uniquely qualified when it comes to marketing. You know, I've worked a lot in probates as, as, as a niche I've focused on since uh, 2008. 
I've always focused on off-market deals because I just didn't want to get in there and scrap around with everybody on the MLS. It was pure, pure. I just didn't want to do it. I was kind of quiet back then. And uh, so I focused on off-market deals. And when I found probates, I knew I found my thing. Because for me, I like talking to the seller. I like solving the problem. And once I looked at it from that way, and the fact that you will literally never run out of leads, that's where I I just dove in head first. Now, I appreciate you sharing that. There's so much to unpack from what you just said. I want to rewind just a little bit. I love how you said, and and I can see so many parallels between the stories you told about your parents um, and and how your career has progressed. I love how you said you didn't know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Inspection business, had no clue, just jumped in real estate wholesaling just jumped right in. And I find myself doing the same thing. I was, when I was first starting out, my old mentor, who was my boss at the time, kind of threw me in. <laughs> he said, I'm going to have you sink or swim because <laughs> you're either going to do one one or the other. And for a lot of people, they get so hesitant with whether it's fear or uncertainty of going into something brand new And the great thing is about just jumping right in, you're going to make mistakes. That's not a question. That's not the question. But when you jump into something and just turn off your mind and just go ahead and do it, you're going to find out one, it's not as scary as you think it might be. But two, it forces you to have to learn and grow at a rate that otherwise wouldn't happen because it's like burning the boats when you get when you get into this war like you just got to jump in there and just make it happen and the cool thing is once you start doing that and you start making progress you get deals or business or whatever it is that you do you start looking back and being that's where the confidence starts to build up because you're getting more competent and you are proving to yourself that you can do this i can't even imagine jumping into real estate when you did. And also, like you said, even today though, it's still heavily favored mm-hmm. towards men mm-hmm. as far as like numbers and things like that. So it's still an industry that is more male dominant. Mm-hmm. And you did this and I love how, God, I just envision, I've never met your mother. I've never mm-hmm. seen a photo of her, but I just envision her just like smiling and looking at your life and just being like, yes, just do this. Just get." Mm-hmm into this and just freaking rock it. And I just love you sharing all of that. Um, One other thing I want to hit on real quick is about not following the herd. Mm -hmm. You do probate. That's a very specialized part of real estate. It's what we would call a real estate niche, but just like wholesaling as well. And for those of you who are listening, wholesaling essentially means you get a seller to agree to a price and then you find another buyer, you're kind of like a middleman and you're selling the contract that you got. So let's say I go to Joe homeowner, get it under contract and then sell it to Jane buyer. Essentially you put a markup on that. So I just wanted to clarify mm-hmm. that for people, but wholesaling is one of those parts of real estate that a lot of people jump into to begin with, just to learn the lay of the land, so to speak. Um, but I love how you've separated yourself from the herd. You found what you were good at, what you liked doing, 
And then you just went through it with probate, like you said, marketing yourself, talking to the the sellers and all of that. And I think that's so important as well to kind of do what other people aren't doing, because then you're going to get results that other people aren't getting. Yes. And this is a unique time in history for anyone that is struggling with lead generation. I did a podcast within the past month or two called The Silver Tsunami. And this is something important for all real estate investors to know. Lead generation, no matter what your investing strategy, if you doesn't matter if you're a wholesale or a rehabber or a buy and hold, you need leads, you need properties for whatever strategy you're using. And I want to change the way people think about probates too, so that they can not say this is weird, this is creepy. People get in this situation because someone passes away, which is part of life, but they have a legal problem to solve. They have this probate dumped in their lap and it's not a thing if they want to do it, they need to do this. You know, the state has laws. So once the property is in probate, one of two things is going to happen. If the, if the property hasn't been inherited, then it's either going to be listed or it's going to be sold to an investor. Now picture yourself, if you've been You've found out a lot of times people don't even know they're the executor. They find they've got their life, their whatever that looks like, their kids, their soccer games, their whatever, their business. And on top of that, they've got to settle this estate. They've got to deal with all this stuff. So when the house needs work, and sometimes even when it doesn't need a lot of work, they're looking for a solution that allows them to get back to their life. They just want to be done. And that's where investors play such a vital role. But every month, and I want you to think about this from a business-like standpoint. There's a new group of probate leads. There's a new group this month, next month, the month after that. Probates, with probates, there is is truly a never-ending stream of leads of people that want and need our help. And that's the thing. They want our help. But this time is so unique in history because the baby boomers, they're the people born between 1946 and 1964. So that span of time, it's the largest demographic of name generations. You know, you've got Gen X, Gen Z, but the baby boomers are the biggest group of people um, that will ever, you, you know, be a named population. And they're, eight, for a lack of a better word, they're, they're aging out of this demographic. The, over the next 10 to 20 years, there's going to be 30 or $40 million properties dumped on the market from baby boomers alone. Roughly about two, 2 million a year additional properties from baby boomers. If you can learn to help these people, and that's what you're doing, this is going to be a golden time that will never be repeated in history. And I've got a lot of statistics in that podcast, which even I can't remember. But another curious thing about it, is that these people used to be when somebody got 60, 70 years old, they were thinking, well, I'm going in the senior living or whatever that is. They're not doing that today. They're buying They're buying another home. They're, they may be changing where they live, but they're not ready to go into the retirement home or the condo or whatever. So this provides an upfront opportunity for smart real estate investors that can provide um, 
think what do they want to live in? Maybe uh, one-story homes, ranch-style homes. Maybe they'll want amenities that they will need 10 years from now. That might be a grab bar in the shower. You have to start thinking like, what can I provide this aging population in my rehabs that uh, will allow them to stay in their homes long-term because that's their goal. They don't want to go into some other type of living. But there is massive opportunity with this generation of uh, people and and with probates. It will be a time that will never be repeated in, in history. What I love about what you're talking about too, and this this will ring true with, with my audience, is a, a lot of people listening probably are not in real estate, not full-time real estate investors, but just like you started your real estate career, doing a niche like probate, getting leads, possibly even wholesaling deals, you being a coach and a mentor and having done this for such a long time, you're able to work with people that have a W-2 job. Maybe they have a small business that's not in real estate, but just like you did this as a side hustle, I started my career as a side hustle. Can you talk a little bit about clients you've had and people you've helped that are starting to get into real estate, but still want to keep their day-to-day job? It's easier than ever, Ace, because when I started a long time ago to do, um, with, there's a very specific type of mail piece I'll, I want to speak to with probates, and that is um, not a postcard. Nobody wants to say, hey, by the way, I know your mama died. You know, they don't want that. They, so it's a white computer generated mail merge letter that says, dear Ace, I want to talk to you about this property you know, a very professional letter, because remember at this time, they're getting a lot of legal documents. So your letter in a, in a standard envelope is, is going to just be opened pretty, pretty easily. But, um, when I started out, we, we did the mail in house because we printed it because it was about a dollar 50 a letter. And we're talking about in 2008, 10, 12, now you can actually get the same letter and stamps were about 30 some cents. Today, look at the cost of a stamp. You can get a letter done. You can outsource the whole thing if you've got a W-2 job. Outsource the mailings for under a dollar, something like 80, 85 cents. You can set up your systems. You can keep your W-2 job. You can outsource uh, you know, take you use VAs for some things. You compile your to help you compile your list. You can outsource your mailings. There are great companies that do a great job at this now. And then you just figure out. You know, you can put a, a message on your phone. I like to use Sideline for my second phone. If you've got a big mm. operation, you might use them, one of the bigger services. But if you're starting out, they've they've been nine ninety nine for many years now they've gone up to a whopping $14 and 99 cents a month for you to get a second dedicated marking number on your phone so that they're calling that number. If you're at your W2 job and somebody's calling that number, you, you know that it's at a, a result of your marketing. You put your, your uh, on your voicemail on this sideline uh, and you can look that up at sideline.com. You can put a voice message on there that says, hey, it's uh, Ace. Um, I'm not available to talk to you right now. I might be out looking, probably out looking at property, or you can say it just however you want to say it. I'll get back with you um, at, at the end of the day. 
whatever. You don't have to be real specific. You don't have to say, I'm at my other job. And then if you get time to call them in the middle of the day, fine. What they really want is uh, they want to know when they're going to hear from you. But because of technology and all of the things that are available today, A, you can do your direct mail marketing. That is the way you reach these people. They Trust me, they don't want a phone call. They don't want a text. They don't want you to knock on the door. Uh, they want to get this mail. And then you just set up a consistent campaign. There's no getting there first with probate. It's about consistency. So just remember this. You, you think you've got competition, but 90% of your competition will quit mailing on or before the third mailing. So your job is to be consistent, mail every month, mail these people with a message that says, hey, this is what I do. This is who I am. And I'll be ready when you're ready to sell because that's different for everyone. They have to get, they know they have to do it. They open the estate, but it might take a few months for them to clean out their mom's possessions or whatever. Um, and two, that's another tip is when you're writing the contract on a probate, this will, this will move people, they'll move the needle for them. You can tell them, hey, take what you want out of the property and leave the rest and I'll be happy to take care of that for you because I know this is hard for you. I know with my mom passed away, she loved her sofa, Ace. It, and it was old. And for me to physically stand there and watch it go in a dumpster, I just couldn't do it because it was, yeah. she, it was painful. But it had no monetary value. I mean, it was an old sofa she'd used for 15 or 20 years or however long. No, I hear you. And as you were saying that, I was, I've been thinking about my real estate journey as well. And I, I just love what you're sharing because it's really not too difficult to get into real estate. Mm -hmm. It definitely helps. We talk about coaching all the time on this show and getting a coach like Sharon or whoever that has, like she mentioned earlier in this show, they can show you the way so you can avoid all of those pitfalls and have someone help you take what I always love to say, take decades and put it into days mm -hmm. because your experience is over many, many decades. This is not your first rodeo, but you're able to help guide people and hold their hand along the way because you and I both know the biggest thing about doing anything new, anything different is the real estate. Mm -hmm. That's the six inches of real estate between our ears and you can tell everybody, you can equip them with all the tools and the strategies, but it still doesn't mean people are going to take action. Mm -hmm. And also having someone like yourself who's been through this, who's had to grow and evolve to the point of where you are right now is invaluable because you can help people overcome those obstacles that they're facing. Well, I'm not a real estate investor. Well, I'm not a marketing person. Well, I'm not a sale, you know, all of these, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And that's, I think the biggest challenge when working with people, when teaching people is they're going to get to a certain point, hit some sort of wall, some sort of ceiling, whatever you want to call it. But then it's our job as a mentor, as a guide to remove those obstacles for people. And once obstacles start getting moved, then they start moving them themselves because they understand that they can grow, they can evolve, they can change just like you and I have. And that's what I love because strategies are great. And everything you have just said is absolutely true. This is not rocket science. This is not difficult. 
But until you tell yourself, I am an investor, I am a real estate machine, whatever it is, until you own that identity, it's not going to happen. You don't have to see the whole path, but you have to take the first step. And the first step is always the hardest. And I know, I'm sure you still have mentors. I still have mentors. Mm -hmm. I invest in myself to this day. I have coaches um, because I don't want to take five years to get to the next thing that I'm trying to learn. You know, I'm, I am guilty of being an avid learner. I could really just make a career of out of learning. Uh, it gets to be kind of a problem sometimes, but I think you just need to take the first step because like a said, once you have the tiniest bit of success at whatever it is, whatever step you take, you will begin to realize that you can do this. You know, when I tell people I'm a fully recovered introvert, they just don't believe it. I mean, because I was really very, very, very introverted to the degree when 20, 25 years ago, I could barely even speak in front of five people. It was not it was not something I did, but I started small, you know, even talking to sellers. Gosh, do you remember the first time you talked to a seller? I do. It's quite terrifying. Mm. Having to throw oh, out yeah. that offer that was so embarrassing. And all the the young guys in my rear, the 20 somethings were saying, well, if you're, if your offers not, if you're not embarrassed by your offer, you just offered too much. And I'm thinking, boy, what a concept, but you have to wrap your brain around that. And you have to get, you have to, you just have to do it and you have to, I don't ever tell somebody to pretend to be something they're not, but to some degree, when you're talking to sellers, when you're starting out and it's quite terrifying, if that's what it looks like for you, you need to have a mirror back here and you need to sit up straight and just the act of sitting up straight and, and feeling authoritative will come across in your, in your voice and make your mistakes on the phone with uh, houses you don't care about. Go look at properties that maybe it's not, you think now that's not going to be a deal for me. Well, that's great because you don't have anything hanging on that deal. Go out and get comfortable. I looked at everything in the beginning. I mean, every house. That's how I learned to talk to sellers. It's how I learned to make offers. It's how I got better at making low offers, which you have to make as a real estate investor. But you don't want to shy away from going out there and then you finally found what you think is the perfect property and you go out there and you just blow it because you haven't practiced. It's, it's like anything else, it's like riding a bike. You have to practice. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. I'd love Robert Kiyosaki talks about it in one of his books when he worked at Xerox and just making sale call after sale call. Mm -hmm. He's like, not only am I going to fail, but I want to fail fast because mm -hmm. the faster you fail, over and over and over again, the faster you're going to get better at whatever it is you want to do. And I love how you just talked about going after properties mm -hmm. that essentially are going to be long shots anyways, because mm -hmm. what do you have to lose? Nothing. What's the worst mm -hmm. thing that somebody's going to say? No, yeah. no. And if they get offended, if they get upset, that's not on you. That's their hang up. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with you. And that took me as well, a very long time to learn because I'm, 
I'm a recovering introvert <laughs> as well. And sales was not my strong suit. No. And I was so fearful the first time I made an mm -hmm. offer. I'm like, they're going to slam the door in my mm -hmm. face. You know, it's so funny. It's so funny. When I first, I first started out, um, and I don't think I've ever told this story. A buddy of mine, we knocked on doors. This was around 2009, 2010. And we were, we were door knocking. So we literally would go door to door for people that were in pre-foreclosure wow. because foreclosures were going all over the place. We're talking parts of the East Bay in California. So like Oakland, Hayward, Union City, all of these places. And it was very intimidating, very scary. It wasn't the, I, I went looking back on it. I don't think it was the best approach because we had actual guns put in front of our faces oh, wow. before because <laughs> these people were scared to death of what was going on. But what it did for me, like you as well, is it gets you over that fear mm -hmm. of just taking action, talking to people. And the deals that we got, lo and behold, the people were excited yes. that someone was able to help mm -hmm. them. Somebody was able to show them the way because they were living in such fear mm -hmm. and uncertainty because of what was going on. And we provided a path for them to get out of their situation. Now, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to take care of your debt and you're going to walk away scot-free. Like, unfortunately, that's not reality. Mm -hmm. However, we were able to prevent people from going into foreclosure and credit ruin for eight, 10 years, however long it was, we were able to help people out. And the thing about business, no matter what you do, it has to work for both sides. And I think that's where some people get caught up, especially if, if you're in pre-foreclosure or probate or any of those things, it has to work for both parties. It's not a one-sided thing. Any good negotiator knows that if you're ripping somebody off, that's that's not good for both parties and that's not going to be a good negotiation. So getting past whatever mental blocks, whatever stories you've told yourself or things you've heard while growing up, like a lot of that is just complete BS because what you're doing as a real estate investor or a business owner is you are solving someone else's problem. Period. End of story. If you're going to be successful at whatever you do, you are a problem solver. You mentioned earlier, you love solving mm -hmm. problems, people's problems. And how many times have, have people, once the probate process has gone through, have just thanked you so much for everything you were able to do? I have gotten more hugs, this is true, at probate closings than any other kind of closing because it has to be a win-win for them financially, obviously, but it's not always about the money. It's very often about, yes, we want some money, but I want this off my plate. And they literally, on the day of closing, they, they come up and they, they just hug you because now they can, they're done. They can move on and they don't have to worry about it anymore. And something I wanted to just interject here too, we were talking about getting those no's. I do think it's a, it's a great practice to get the nose when you're not attached to the property. Like when you, you really don't care if you get this property, it's not in your ideal areas. You can go out there, you can learn to be a little, become a little bit fearless in that situation. But a mistake I made early on was assuming that when they said no, that it was really no, when in fact it might not, might be not now. 
So I developed, I'm a big, I think of everything through a marketing and branding lens. So what I started doing every time I got a no or a yes, didn't matter. I sent them a thank you note. Now the thank you note was, you know, thanks if, you know, I'm looking forward to working with you or we weren't able, thank you for showing me the property, even though we weren't able to reach an agreement. If, if something changes, I would love to be your plan B. That was always my languaging. I'd love to be your plan B. Now, knowing that they got mad at me probably when I made that low offer and threw my business card, which you do need business cards in this day and age, but they threw my business card in the garbage. I always included another business card with my thank you note. Now, I still believe nothing beats a handwritten thank you note, but I also am a big fan of sending them a video now, like a bonjour, and just saying what I said in the note. So if you're not familiar with bonjour, it's B-O-N-J-O-R-O, you can get started for free. And then I think a subscription is $12 or $15 a month, but you can make these little videos on your uh computer, but you can also put the app on your phone. Just hold your phone up and say, hey, it's Ace. I know we weren't able to reach an agreement. Same thing. But if you if something changes in your world, be very informal. I'd love to be your plan B, as I said. Um, and here's my number. And bam, you can write there from Bonjour, you can email it to them. And they they'll they will remember you. So the difference in the, the the other two or three people that come over there and make offers and you is obvious because you followed up not once but twice. And that goes into the next conversation I'd love to hear your thoughts on is your brand. Because there is a quote from you essentially talking about marketing gets the leads, however, and I'm going to butcher this, but mm -hmm. it's your brand of how people remember you. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about the importance of one, what your brand is and two, the importance of it? Well, yeah, I always say uh, marketing is how you get leads and branding is why they choose you. So marketing is, is the way you get leads in the door. Obviously it's whatever you do, whether when you were door knocking or a direct mail with off market deals, direct mail is the way to go. Don't let people tell you it's old school. It doesn't work. It works 100% today like it always did. But your branding, now that is, it's certainly there's the physical side of branding where you have your colors or your logo or what, what all of those things. But your brand at its essence is the way people feel about you. It's the way you make people feel. And it's people like to say it's what they say about you after you leave the room. So at every interaction, you should be thinking about the customer experience. You, This is a way that you can be chosen over other people is look at every single process in your office, uh, every interaction, whether it's a phone call, it, whether it's the follow-up, whether you've gotten the deal or you haven't gotten the deal. Uh, think of a way to, to stand out. Now, Mike Michalowicz, who uh, I had the pleasure of, having on my podcast back about a year ago, he, he had re just written a book called Get Different Marketing That Can't Be Ignored. And everyone in real estate should read that book because he has actual real estate examples in there. But he talks about ways that you can be different and, and that's what you need to think of because different is better than better. Let's say you have, uh, 
well, let's just say real estate investors, everybody is buying properties. They are um, putting out there, I'll buy your property for all cash, quick closing, yada, 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 all of that. So they're putting all of that out there. But you've got to find a way to offer something that's a little bit different, a little bit more. So what you might do is, like I said, send the thank you notes. You When you go to someone's house, figure out uh, a way to be memorable to them. Most real estate investors will go right in, dive right into the deal. They, um, you know, show me the house. Here's my offer. I like to do it a little bit differently, especially working with probates. I look for things I call visual clues. I look around the room and if I see golf clubs in the corner and I know their father has passed away, I will say, oh, was your dad the golfer? Or if I see cookbooks, oh, was your mom a, 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 you know, a cook? Did she love to cook? But find some common ground that you all can begin to have a discussion about. And then from there, that and that alone will set you apart from the guy or the gal that just comes in and says, hey, show me the house. Here's my deal. And I, I mean, you just, it's like tiny little nuances that you do, but that's your brand. So if, if everybody else goes in and they do this, you be the one that does this. It doesn't have to be anything phenomenal, but I think it was, uh, Hallie, Sally Hogshead has a book called Fascinating, and she says different is better than better. Because like, how do you quantify who's a better real estate investor? You know, you got to be the one that grabs their attention. You got to be, you build your brand around yourself and your brand should certainly say that I'm trustworthy. I always do what I say that I'm going to do. That's, that's how you build a brand is through showing up consistently. Um, even if you're brand spanking new, this is another mistake I made. I thought I didn't need a brand. I was brand new. But your brand can be simply that, I walk into a meeting, if, if I were brand new, I'd say, hey, I'm Sharon, I'm brand spanking new, and I'm here to learn. And then you say, what do you do, Ace? Tell me about your business. So that begin, begins that what I think is one of the most important components in any business is certainly real estate. It's not really who you know, it's who knows you. Who's going to call you mm -hmm. when they've got their next deal or when they need a partner in something or... They want to collaborate on having an event. Doesn't do any good if you know them, but they don't know you. So you have to, even in the beginning, go to a meeting. If you're severely introverted like we were, go to a meeting with the goal to meet one person. Remember their name and follow up with them. Just start small with baby steps. And then one day you'll look up and you'll, you'll see how far you've come. You know, I like to do a brain dump periodically and I'll, put things down on a list. And I, I, I use Trello simply because I'm a notebook addict and then I can't find the notebook I did it in. But I, I like to put it on Trello. And then when you're down on yourself six months, eight months, a year from now, and you think, gosh, I haven't done, what have I done? You look back at your brain dump and your goals and all those things that you've put into place and you go, oh, well, maybe I did have a good year. Maybe I did grow in these ways, but we forget. That's right. So many good nuggets. I, I had a mm -hmm podcast earlier today and we talked about that same exact thing there's mm -hmm. a book called the gap in the game by dan sullivan yes. and it talks about as entrepreneurs and and all that we 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 look at the gap where are we now and what needs to happen in the future but we don't look back at the gain one month three months six mm -hmm. months a year 
go back and look at what you put down because I've done, I did that recently too, because I was kind of down on myself and everything. And I, I went back about only like three months ago and I was like, I started crying. I was like, holy crap. Like I have done so much, but I don't think about that on a daily basis. I'm just more worried about the gap rather than the gain. I think that's a huge thing when it comes to motivation, keeping you going, because this is a roller coaster ride. It's not all thrills. There are days that we're going to feel low that we don't think we're making mm-hmm. progress. And it's those days that we need to remind ourselves of just how awesome we are, how amazing we are. So I appreciate you saying that because I, I feel like that is overlooked so much, but it is so important to moving forward and keeping that momentum going. I agree 100%. One thing I want to say, brand. That was reminding me like how people perceive you, what people say when you're not in the room. That reminds me of somebody's reputation. Yes. And my mentor that I talked about earlier in the show, he told me, he was like, his nickname for me back then was Mattress. He was like, (laughs) Mattress. Mattress. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my my name is Matthew. And so he always uh, came with, with Mattress. He was like, Mattress, your reputation is like your virginity. Once it's gone... It's gone. <laughs> and I was like, and that that was like me getting into business to begin with. And so I've carried that with me my entire business and personal life is like my reputation is so important. And it's the same thing as your brand. Your brand is so mm-hmm. important. It's not what you put out there. It's what people say mm-hmm. about you behind your back or when you leave mm-hmm. the room. And I just love how you put your brand in such because people think, okay, logos, colors, mm-hmm. I need this and that. And it's like, well, no, it's it's how people mm-hmm. perceive you. It's their perception of you. So the golden rule, treat people how you would want to be treated. And when you start treating everybody as a person and not a number and just treating them as a human and loving them and connecting mm-hmm. with them, your brand is going to be... Because things are going to be good and things are going to be bad, but your brand is going to help carry you through. And I love how you said... It's not who know who you know, because they always say relationships. Who do you know? Who do you know? Mm-hmm. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. I love that. That mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard it said like that before. And that is so incredible. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, thank I, I, It right. took me a while to really wrap my brain around that one. Well, it's, it's so counterintuitive, right? Everyone's telling you network, meet people, gather relationships. And that's important. Don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, it's the people who know you, like like you were talking about the second, third, fourth touches on these home sellers. It is so vitally important for people to think of you, become that expert in your industry. That's what also we talk about it filling our bucket, helping people, teaching people. But at the same time, if you are the expert uh, at whatever you do, people are going to start coming to you no matter what it is. And you just build up that momentum. And then it, at that time, it, it's so crazy. Who's going to reach out to you when they need help? Because you mm-hmm. have proven time and time and time again, your reputation shows that you know what you're doing. You're going to be able to help people solve their problems and get through whatever they're getting through, whether it's today, tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now, it doesn't even matter. So it's just no matter what you're doing in life, business, personal life, all of these things apply. So I just, I, once again, I just really appreciate you saying all that. So, all right, well, we're going to jump into some superhero questions. Trust me, these are painless. <laughs> if you don't have one already, 
But if you do, that would be fantastic too. What would be your superhero name? Gosh, I have no idea, Matt. I never considered myself a superhero. I don't know. Well, you one, you are a superhero because what you have done in your life is amazing, not just for yourself, your family, but for women and for the real estate industry. You are a superhero. Is there a nickname? Kind of like Mattress or something like that? <laughs> No, there really isn't, Matt. I, you know, I'm probably going to have to brainstorm with you because this is a really important thing to think about. Well, your last name starts with a V. So I think we can come up with something, a V word of some sort, because that tends to be a pretty, pretty cool superhero uh, letter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let, let's jump to the next one real quick. Maybe some of these things will will start brewing as as we continue down this path. What are some of your superpowers? Well, I think my superpowers are, um, I think I am good at connecting with people. I think I'm very good at putting them at ease, but I think I'm also good with breaking down uh, topics that people think are difficult, like the probate investing process and making them see that this is easy and putting those steps in front of them so that they can succeed. I would like to say that anybody can sell courses and do coaching, but for me, I know it's the same for you. I want to see people succeed. So that part of it's very important to me. So I'm always working to make things simple for them. And two, I'm big on confidence building too, because I've found too that people, they really lack confidence, but if they can see that they can master whatever it is they're trying to master, then the confidence follows. So I think this is especially true for women in this business. They, they, they really lack a lot of confidence. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. My confidence when I first got into real estate wasn't that high, but mm -hmm. being around people like yourself and proving to yourself that you can do this, there's nothing better than taking consistent action and starting to see the fruits of your labor because it can be simple. Well, it's not always simple. People like you definitely can, like you said, one of your superpowers is breaking things into simple terms. But like anything else, anything worth doing in life isn't going to be easy. Mm -hmm. This isn't an easy path. People don't choose to get into real estate because it's easy. And if anybody and everybody could do it, they would. But like you said, just even simple things like following up with clients, potential buyer, or sorry, potential sellers mm -hmm. following up. Most investors don't do that. Most investors don't connect with the people and are genuinely interested in those people's lives. So if you're thinking to yourself, well, I like people, I'm genuinely interested in them and I can follow up two or three times, you are already leaps and bounds mm -hmm. ahead of so many people that get into this business. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. So if you're an actual human being that cares about other human beings, you're going to do just fine in this industry. That is, I have no doubt about that whatsoever. All right. Last question. Who are some of your superheroes? Oh, I think just about anyone that has overcome great uh, adversity and come out on top. There are so, there are so many people in this world that have come from really hard beginnings uh, to succeed in spite of everything. And I think that once people understand that that's possible, P 
people get stuck in the, this is where I am now. And we've all done it. It's like, this is where I am. But I think back in, and Oprah, where she came, the beginning she came from mm. to become the powerhouse that she is. And there are so many people in real estate investing that came from nothing. You know, if you look back at anybody's story, even back to Robert Kiyosaki, the odds were stacked against him from the beginning with, from a mindset perspective until he was able to change that mindset. So I think you just need to look around you from wherever you are today and, and find someone that resonates with you. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, I'm not quite gotten to the Wonder Woman stage yet, but I'm I'm working I'm working on up leveling there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And yeah, I, I love what you said about Oprah. I, I read a book mm -hmm. a couple of days ago that kept referring to Oprah. And I I've been aware of her story. And if mm -hmm. you haven't heard her story, you gotta check it out. Whether or not you like Oprah or not, mm -hmm. the facts are the facts. Yes. She overcame so much in her life. And the reason why she became so popular and excelled so much at what she did is she genuinely cared about other people. She wanted to help them. She wanted their story to be told. She wanted to empower them. It was never about her. Mm -hmm. It was always about the people she interviewed, the people she interacted with. And if you take that, if you don't take anything else from this conversation other than the golden rule, treat other people how you want to be treated, mm -hmm. see them as a person with the same struggles that we have, the same successes and ups and downs in life that we have. If you take time to see a person like that and take yourself out of me and instead focus on them, that alone is going to change your life across the board mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. And you will experience a different perspective, a different life completely different from where you were. And that decision can happen in an instant. And I love that, that you brought this conversation into something like probate real estate, because there are so many misconceptions about this business. And it is really, when you take a step back from real estate, it's really just, uh, it's just a people business. It's a people Houses, business. Yes. And, and don't forget that Ace and I, we, you have to, tell people too that, Hey, I didn't just have a smooth sailing. We, we talk about the things that we've been up against. And I think when you look at anybody that you might say has achieved whatever level of success that you are, you feel behind know that we all feel behind. There's always someone in front of us and we're always aspiring to be better, but it, it's a process that's never over. Exactly. Exactly. Comparison will kill any sort of motivation mm -hmm. for sure. We're all on our own race. And trust me, there are a lot of people here that want to help you along that race as well. So before we go, if you could leave the listeners with one tool that they could use right away to help them get into this sort of direction, whether it's working with you or someone else, what's one tool that somebody can take away and implement today immediately in their lives? Well, if someone is interested in uh, look. Uh, working in probates, I would say go to my podcast. Uh, and I have, uh, I'm on 400 and some episode now. I'm not really sure, 430, something like that. But look up the one that's called the Silver Tsunami, which will um, 
it will tell you the opportunity that you have. And number two is on my blog, the Louisville Gals Real Estate blog. There is a freebie on there called a probate investing starter kit. People say, I don't know the words to use. I don't know really the terminology. I don't know the process. Well, in that document in there, it, you have all of those things. You have a sample letter. I show you the exact process, the way it works. Every state's a tiny bit different, but the basic process is the same. And then I'll go into terminology and a little bit the way that things work. But it's a probate investing starter kit, and it's completely free. Uh, just get that, and it will show, give you the tools that you could start Start mailing tomorrow if that's what you wanted to do. Perfect. Now, that is simple enough. Listen to the podcast. Go on her website. If people want to reach out to you directly, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can email me at Sharon at SharonBornholt.com. Perfect. Simple enough. I love it. Well, Sharon, I really appreciate you coming on. It has been an honor and a privilege getting to speak to you today. And I just love talking real estate. I love talking mindset and you are the master of both. Yeah. So I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate all the knowledge and all of the amazing things that uh, you have given us today. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Matt. My pleasure. So for those of you listening, Superhero by Design podcast, you could be doing anything today, but you have chosen to spend your time with me and my wonderful guests. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you again. If there's anything that I can do to better myself, to be better, just reach out to me, ace at superherobydesign.com. I'd love to get your input because I want to get better and better so I can give more. And remember, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And like that, He's gone. Peace out.